She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The magic wand is common sense. It's experience. If you're going to be in charge of the world's most powerful nation and economy, how about have done a little something before becoming the leader of the free world? I don't know. Doesn't seem that novel. How about if you're going to create jobs, wouldn't it help if you actually have created jobs in the past? I hear brilliant guys like Joe Biden. The government has failed you. Government has failed you. I go, wait a second. Joe, I actually agree with you. Government has failed them. The problem is, Joe, you've been in government for almost 50 years. If government failed you, maybe you're the problem. And now, Stacy Washington. Well, that bit of smoke and hot fire was Don Jr. behind the podium for his father last night for the campaign launch. And I got to tell you, I knew it was going to be great. I knew that the people were not camped out for nothing. And boy, was I not disappointed. It was it was just it was a fun night. Um, Melania showed up in this yellow outfit, this like jumpsuit that was like something out of I've never seen before. And it just kept on going from there. It just kept moving. And so it was so exciting. It was, it was, it was a lot of different things. Um, the president surprised me in the detail that he went into. And we have a little bit of audio for you where he actually goes into his financial statement. He brought it up on stage with him. He brings it out. He starts reading from it. And, you know, previously on this show, we have reported that the president had suffered a little bit financially by becoming the president because certain businesses didn't want to do business with him anymore. And so his company was experiencing a little bit of a contraction. And since that report, um, I, I just hadn't thought any more of it. I knew it was a sacrifice that the president made willingly. He did that knowingly. He knew that it could jeopardize his business. He did it anyway. Um, but he actually shares with all of us the details of like what he's working with right now. And it's impressive. Now, remember, on this program, obviously, we respect capitalism. We feel it's the only free market system, the only system uh, of, of, you know, private contractual relationships between individuals and corporations and the like, and even governments that yields the most opportunity for individual prosperity and for us to yield actually receive the fruit of our labor and to grow the fruit of our labor and, and to be responsible for it. Um, and, but money isn't everything. And so it's not that money is the root of all evil. It's the love and worship of money that is the root of all evil. So we recognize money for what it is. It's a tool. Um, and it is also compensation for labor, for your time, your creativity, your energy, everything like that. But it's not uh, being a Christian doesn't mean we can't recognize when someone's successful or that we can't respect that success and use it as a predicate for what could happen in the future. It is a hallmark of individuals who are successful that they usually go on to continue to be successful. There are obviously exceptions to this rule. Uh, so it, it's just a, a fascinating glimpse into the inner workings of the president, because even though he's the president, commander in chief of the U.S. Armed Forces, CEO of this country, um, you know, 
He's also still a businessman. And while he's not actively managing his corporation, his sons are, and they're keeping him apprised of what's going on. And the bottom line for Trump, the company, is the bottom line for Trump, the man, the husband, the father, and and ultimately the president of the United States, at least for the next 18 months or so, and possibly for the next four years after that. So uh, today on the program, welcome Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And we have Hans von Spakovsky on today. He's going to join us here in just a little bit next segment to talk about the Democrats in the House ignoring facts so that they can incorrectly cite members of the Trump administration for contempt. Now, this is just another mechanism for keeping the Mueller report alive. It's a dead, rotting carcass, and they're still sprinkling it with holy oil and smelling salts and trying to just revive it and pumping it with that, um, you know, the machine, the cardio machine that like zaps you and brings you back to life. They're just they're just zapping it until no end, flogging it to death. Um, but there's some interesting points that, of course, Mr. Von Spakovsky has <laughs> coming from the Heritage Foundation. They have all the best details. So we'll chat with him. Um, there's also some information about the Dow surging after the president indicated that while he's at G20, he's going to be meeting with the leader of China on the sideline. And uh, Mr. Kudlow had some interesting comments on how often the counterparts, not at the presidential level, but the counterparts below the president's level actually interact on a regular basis. So it's not like they're waiting for the president to meet with the president of China as if that's the only communication. Um, Maybe the media would have us to think that, but that's not the case. So there's two issues I want to dive into today. Bella Thorne, who, if you don't know who she is, welcome to the crew. I didn't know who she was until I saw that Whoopi Goldberg was trending on Twitter. And you know she's had some health issues, so I immediately clicked through because I thought the worst and was pleasantly surprised to see, because even though I disagree with Whoopi Goldberg on so much, um, I I don't wish her ill. I don't want anything to happen to her. I mean, come on. I'm not going to make a comparison there. You can go with the dot, dot, dot. So Whoopi Goldberg had actually made some comments about Bella Thorne because she's been in the news because she took some uh, unclothed, undressed photographs of herself and sent them from her phone or some other like, uh, you know, social media device, some other online mechanism. She sent these photos of herself to her boyfriend and then hackers went to the cloud and they've hacked into the cloud addresses of a lot of other women in Hollywood, models, et cetera, music industry, you know, elites. And they're always looking for these nude photographs. And so they did the same thing to Bella Thorne. And uh, I did check because I was like, I don't know who this woman is. Well, she has millions of followers online. And apparently with the younger set, she's very, very like she's the thing. So and she's written a book that's been number one about her experiences as a child, sexual abuse, et cetera, et cetera. So um, after looking into that to see, like, who is this person? Um, I, I'm wondering, well, what is what is her having her account hacked have to do with Whoopi Goldberg? Well, Whoopi's on The View and she made some comments about what she felt when hearing of this story. Now, I normally when I cover Whoopi Goldberg, when whenever I mention her on the show, I'm disagreeing with her about politics. But broken clock syndrome is in full effect today. You know, you, uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Um, and this is an interesting thing because this isn't the new whoopee that we've seen of late, the political whoopee. This is the common sense mom and grandma whoopee um, who knows a few realities that our young people have not learned. And I'm going to first, before, I, before we hit play on this, this audio, I want to make it clear. It is the responsibility of 
parents, men and women, fathers and mothers, to teach their children about the sanctity of the human body. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian, you should still respect your body. You should still keep it to yourself. And it's our responsibility to teach these things to our kids. Now, once they're out of the house, like Bella Thorne is, she's a grown-up and she's a, a young woman and she makes decisions on her own, then what happens is ultimately her responsibility. But the normalization of pornography, of divorce, of alternative lifestyles, and the degradation of, mor the, of morality in our culture have left us in a place where Whoopi Goldberg making the following statement has brought her under close scrutiny and backlash simply for uttering statements that fall in the realm of good old common sense. It's number three. If you don't this put them, terrible. if you don't take them and put them in, listen, if you're famous, I don't care how old you are, you don't take nude pictures of but yourself because... But she only because, share with one person. But she should, listen, when they're hacking you, they're hacking all of your stuff. So whether it's one picture or a million pictures, once you take that picture, yeah. it goes into the cloud and it's available to any hacker who wants it. And if you don't know that in 2019, mm. that this is an issue, you, you, I'm sorry, your age does not, you don't get to do that. But why not? You don't just, get to do it. So the conversation that the ladies of the view are having at the table is whether or not um, Bella Thorne, well, Whoopi first just introduced the story and then they launched into a discussion and it was kind of like, uh, Joy Behar cracking jokes about how if she were Bella Thorne's age and had the same body, she would post nude pictures of herself as well, because she always trivializes every topic. And it was, you know, some people laughed and et cetera. And then they moved on a little bit and Megan McCain shared that she would have sent nude pictures because it's a rite of passage and all young people do it, which my eyebrows were up in my hairline because I'm like, Megan McCain believes that she even quoted Rihanna. She said, Rihanna said, if your boyfriend doesn't get nude pictures from you, then she feels sorry for him. This is the culture our kids are swimming in. OK, so in, and to act as if this isn't what they're facing, that your son, if you have a teenage son, you ought to know girls have already sent nude pictures of themselves to him unless He's in a very, very closed off environment. That's happening. That is happening. Um, and I, I know I have a teenage son. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, and if you have daughters, you need to know that they're under pressure from the boys in their environment to do it. And with Rihanna making statements like that and that, that, that information, when she says something like that, that goes straight into the same way we get all of our stuff from if you like Fox News or if you like One American News or you love AFR and when we issue news, you get it right away. They get that news, that kind of, it's an announcement. It's basically a pressure point for kids. Rihanna says every boyfriend should get these. Not husbands, boyfriends. And it's a whole nother conversation that uh, segments of information we've covered before and we will delve into again about how it, it is, imagine how many problems you avoid if you save sex until the marriage bed. That means you're saving any pictures too. And if you are married to the person, you don't need to send them pictures. So, and I saw excuses. Well, it's, you know, we have long distance relationships, but are you married? And she made the point that if you put it in the, in your phone, it goes into the cloud. If it goes into the cloud, anyone can hack into it. So you're basically saying, I'm going to put this out there and roll the dice and hope I don't get hacked. 
The common sense aspect of this is that Whoopi Goldberg made a statement that 10 years ago, nobody would have really disagreed with. It wasn't a woman's right to take nude pictures of herself and send them up into a cloud that she doesn't control. Joy Behar even said, well, you need to take the picture. So why don't you just take the picture, print it out, put it in a frame and give it to the boyfriend? And then Whoopi Goldberg pointed out that someone has to print the picture out for you. They keep a copy and you get a copy. So there really isn't a way unless you do photography at home, you know, you develop your own images. And even then, you're still giving it to someone who can turn on you and share it with the world. So the issue here is people are trying to find a way around, basically a way to sin that doesn't expose them to the ramifications of what they've done. And there isn't a way. And I disagree with the idea that when she, when Whoopi Goldberg makes the statement, people are saying, well, she's victim shaming. No, she's not. She's telling everybody else who hasn't made this mistake, look over here. This is what can happen to you. Don't do it. But also, if you, she says, if you don't upload them to the cloud, if you don't take them, then you don't have that chance of being hacked. That's true. But there's something deeper there that has to be switched on in a person. And that is a respect for themselves that says they don't need pictures of themselves naked in order to win or maintain the affection of their significant other. Purity from both sides mandates that one would respect the other. The man would respect the woman so much that he would say, I hope you're not planning on sending me any nude pictures because I don't want those from you. I want to protect you. I want to protect what we have. You see? So it's, it's both sides. It's the, the man and the woman, the boys and the girls. It's the parents not teaching these kids what they need to know, ignoring social media, ignoring the impact of this culture that our kids are inside of. We are not inside it, but they are. And as much as we try to insulate them and protect them, if we're not arming them up and gearing them up for what is out there, then they are susceptible to this. And no one's perfect. Kids are going to make mistakes. But this is one that we can actually insulate our kids from by teaching them that marriage is the place for sexuality. And you are going to hear, now that I've said that, Every time you hear me say something like that, you're going to see online, people will tell you, oh, yeah, she's pie in the sky. She's Pollyanna. I've been told that on uh, headline news on the Dr. Drew show, this black psychologist who admittedly is a very nice person. She's really she's super said I was Pollyanna because I believe in these kinds of really just respectful ideas towards ourselves. I'm not Pollyanna. I'm Stacy, and I believe what the word of God says, and I know that his word is true. And when we operate in obedience and teach it to our children, it doesn't return void. This was avoidable for Bella Thorne, and she shouldn't be crying and angry at Whoopi Goldberg for telling the truth. When we get back, we have Hans von Spakovsky. Stay there. Here's Walker Wildman for Redeem Clean Laundry Products. Not only do you get a great product and you get to obviously clean your clothes, get the stains out and use a multi-surface cleaner to clean your countertops and use the dryer sheets. You're doing all of this and the money's going to support the work of American Family Association. Redeem Clean Laundry products were developed by AFA supporters Len Ingram and Jim Duncan to assist in funding the mission of the American Family Association. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made right here in the United States. The great thing about Redeem Clean is not only is the product great, but it goes to support a great cause, and that is the work of American Family Association. For clean laundry and a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. 
visit redeemclean.afastore.net. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I once asked the president of a very large, complex organization, how do you keep it all together? How do you stay on top of all of this? He looked at me and said, Crawford, the weight is too much for me to carry. That's why I have to give it all to him. He said, if I take my eyes off the Lord, I would be crushed by the load. It's sobering to remember that God doesn't give us merely difficult tasks. No, God gives us impossible assignments. Solomon was very much aware of that when he was installed as king. Can you imagine filling Papa David's shoes? Listen to Solomon's words in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king in place of my father David. Yet I am but a child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people who cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. So give thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of thine? Solomon expressed several things in this prayer. First, he admitted, God, I'm inexperienced. I don't know what I'm doing. Then there was a general acknowledgement of the enormity of the responsibility. This is a great people with a great heritage, and I'm out of my element. And finally, and this really was the essence of his cry to God, God, I need wisdom. Will you give me what I need? Well, here's what I want you to remember today. God loves it when we're completely dependent on him. What makes us competent to lead is the realization that we desperately need God. Crawford Loritz is senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in suburban Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, go to livingalegacy.org. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. You can find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com and AFR.net. And of course, our news site at OneNewsNow.com. It's my pleasure to welcome Hans von Spakovsky. He's the manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative at the Heritage Foundation. Hey, thanks for joining the show today. Sure. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this, this, this whole you're in contempt, you're in contempt. Like, remember when Oprah gave the cars away to the audience and she was like, you get a car, you get a car. The Democrats are like, you're in contempt, you're in contempt. They're just, it's, they're just, it's like senseless. <laughs> yeah, what, what you have going on is really just political theater. And the difference between this uh, and what's gone on before is, is explained by uh, political theater versus substance. And I'll give you an example of what, what I mean. Look, the first attorney general in U.S. history to be held in contempt was Eric Holder. Why? Because when we discovered um, and it was revealed what was going on with Operation Fast and Furious, in which uh, the Obama administration basically allowed a gun-running operation to go into Mexico, which resulted in the death an American border agent. Um, when Congress started investigating that, uh, the Justice Department refused to hand over documents and information about it, and that's why he was held in contempt. So that wasn't political theater. That, that was substance. Congress trying to find out about the most reckless 
law enforcement operations just far was ever conducted. C- compare that to what happened just a week ago. The House uh, Oversight and Reform Committee, that's chaired by Elijah Cummings, voted to hold um, uh, Attorney General William Barr and Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross in contempt. Why? Well, you probably know, Stacy. right now there's a, a active court case in front of the um, U.S. Supreme Court uh, over adding the citizenship question back onto the U.S. Census. In fact, we're waiting for a decision from the court. It may come out as early as, as tomorrow. Well, Elijah Cummings, Democrats are very upset over the fact that uh, the court may rule that a citizenship question can, can be added back into the census. So they've been investigating this and have demanded all these documents from the Justice Department and the Commerce Department on the decision and why it was made to do that. DOJ has already turned over to them, if you can believe this, 17,000 pages of documents. So you must be wondering, well, if they've done that, why would the Democrats hold uh, Barr in contempt? Well, (laughs) because what he didn't, what Barr didn't turn over was a uh, internal legal analysis, which is pr- a privileged document. You know, this is the Justice Department's analysis, legal analysis of the case, which is active right now, and, and how they should defend it. it it's the equivalent of um, the NFL telling one of the teams the night before the Super Bowl, uh, you have to make public your game plan with all of your plays before you play the Super Bowl tomorrow. That's what's going on because Cummings and them want to get this internal legal analysis into the hands of the challengers, the state of New York, the liberal groups that have sued over this, so they can try to use it to derail the decision that the Supreme Court's going to come out with. So it's backdoor discovery, right, Hans? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's totally unreasonable for them to demand a document like that, that is a privileged document. But by the way, <laughs> the plaintiffs in the lawsuit that's before the Supreme Court, they tried to get this document in the court case, and a federal judge said, hey, you're not entitled to this. Hmm. Okay, so I, one of the things that really gets to me about all of this, like, like the, the it, it's just weird. It's like, and I've seen this behavior from adults before, so I, I shouldn't mischaracterize it as, oh, it's only kids, you know what I mean? Like the kids hear no and they just keep coming back. They'll circle around a different way. They'll present the question a different way. Like kids do that, but adults do it too. Like this is not abnormal for adults to be unable to comprehend the word no. Um, Some people actually think that that's a good characteristic, that you're dogged, that you never give up, et cetera, et cetera. But this is different because this is in the face of the American people and it's a waste of time. The The census question as I understand it, has already been asked before in two different kinds of ways. One was on an actual census until it was removed. And then it was also asked in the, they have a long form questionnaire that the census takers do that a much smaller cohort of the population takes. And the census question was on that longer form. So fewer people took it, but they answered it as a part of the long form questionnaire. So really, it's not an issue of it being racially motivated or anything untoward to add it back in. It just means that Democrats will lose representation if illegal aliens decide not to answer the question and don't basically don't take the census. Yeah, and and I mean, you're absolutely right about that. And um, that question, that specific question, as you said, it's currently 
on the American Community Survey, which is the survey that the Census Bureau actually sends out all the time, not just every 10 years, and was sent out constantly during the Obama administration. But you didn't see <laughs> any of these groups protesting over that. What, look, what this boils down to, and it really makes you wonder, is um, all these groups on the left who have tried to stop this, they don't want actually accurate information about the number of non-citizens in the country. And what does that tell you about that? Well, I'll tell you what it tells me. So we covered a story that I, I caught over at One American News Now that they were talking about during the Obama administration, he actually told the IRS to stop sending, there's like an automatic hit back that happens when an employee submits their tax return and their information doesn't max, match the tax ID number, the, the social security number or whatever. So what happens is, in addition to dinging the actual person and letting them know that there's a problem with their return, they will ding their employer and let the IRS lets the employer know this person is working for you, but their their tax ID number doesn't match their identification. And then that makes the employer, someone from HR will call you in and say, why doesn't your information match? Because this, this is now a problem for us. We need you to update your information or the person might end up getting fired, right? Well, right. during the Obama administration, they stopped that. So... Now the Trump administration has restarted that engine back up and they're doing it. And they're saying the first go round netted 49 million mismatches. So obviously some of those are Americans who have improperly filed their taxes. They don't know their tax ID number or they're changing their identity and they, you know, they haven't changed their tax information. But that's a minuscule number. The majority of that 49 million is going to be people who are in the country illegally from whatever reason, whether they're visa overstays or whatever they are. They're in the country illegally, and they're borrowing someone else's tax ID number. Forty million. Let's just give nine million to the wind. Forty million. We've been told eleven million for the past twenty years. That's why they don't want the census question. Oh, look, I completely agree with you. And yeah, the official numbers are eleven to twelve million, but you, you know there are other estimates from other folks who say it could be as much as twice that, if not more. And one way. For us to finally figure that out is for that citizenship question to be returned to the census. And by the way, the media has painted this as if this is something nefarious and unprecedented. Uh, the first time there was a citizenship question on the United States Census was in 1820, based on the recommendation of that notorious conservative, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, it's funny because it's so weird, but what are the chances? Just give me the, give me the dirty Hans. I got to know because you would, you would know what are the chances that we see some kind of weird split on the Supreme court and they actually side with the Democrats and kind of invalidate the ability of the U S government to determine how many people are here who aren't citizens of this country. I actually think, look, it's, it's dangerous to predict the Supreme Court, but, but yeah. I was actually there uh, for the oral arguments in April uh, when oh. the case was before the Supreme Court. And, and based on the questioning, I think this is going to be one of those cases where we see a 5-4 split. Uh, I think the government is actually going to win this. I think it's going to be the five conservatives versus the four liberals saying, uh, yes, the government can ask a citizenship question on the U.S. Census. Hmm. That's kind of how I feel about it. I didn't, obviously I wasn't there, but I did listen to a little bit of, you know, how they put the oral arguments on the, yes. 
um, the yeah. SCOTUS blog. And so I listened to a little bit and I thought they sounded as if they were kind of incredulous that they even had to hear it. Um, but that brings me to another question that's kind of, it's tangential, tangential to this, but it, it's, I just keep wondering, and you are an attorney and you do go before the Supreme Court. Why are they punting these cases about the, um, like the last case was about sweet cakes by Melissa and she'd been fined $135,000. And instead of hearing her case, they kicked it back to the lower court and had them reconsider it in light of the, uh, the, um, Oh no! I'm th- I'm um, uh, the Colorado Phillips. Case. Yes, the right. Jack Phillips yeah. case. No, that... look this this wasn't actually this was not a loss for the bakers because in essence what the court did is they were telling um, the Colorado court uh, you need to reconsider your decision and you need to follow the decision that we the Supreme Court issued in that Colorado case and I can tell you what that what that means. Uh, is that they're basically telling the Oregon court, um, you'd better reverse your decision, uh, which found against the bakers. Because by doing that, Colorado, in essence, was thumbing its nose at the Supreme Court and not following that prior Colorado decision. Here's what will (laughs) happen. If in the reconsideration the Colorado court doesn't do that, if they don't reverse their decision and instead... um, uh, uh, uphold the finding against and the fine against the baker, mm. then the case will come back to the Supreme Court, and this time the Supreme Court will take it, and and they will overturn it. But they're basically giving the court in Oregon the chance to correct the mistake that it made uh, in finding against the bakers. Okay, so I get that, but. The, the issue that I have is because I'm kind of more on the side of the, the lay person, which is the business owner. She's been fined $135,000. And if I'm not mistaken, they've gone out of business. So they, they, they have gone out of business. Um, all of the cost of fighting the state um, drove them out of business. And it's pretty clear if you look at actually the evidence in the case that that's what the very biased, very partisan Government officials, state government officials in Oregon, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to drive these people out of business. So what would there be any recourse for them, or do they have to begin a whole new lawsuit to try to basically sue civilly the, the state government, the, the officials individually, what have you, to try to recoup some of their losses? No, that would, that would be a whole separate lawsuit, and they that would be very tough, very tough to win. I, I think the main thing they've, they hopefully will get is a reversal of um, what what these government officials did. They should move their business to Missouri because all of us would use their stuff and we would help them get back on their <laughs> feet. I mean, I'm idea. just saying we're in the Midwest. You know how we are down here. Like this right. is we're we're just regular folk. We we buy cake, we eat it. We don't try to force people to do stuff they don't want to do. They could make it here, <laughs> and the right. cost of living is right. probably cheaper. Um, so so in in addition to going back to this 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 Trump cabinet members in contempt. There was some joking around about the jail in the basement of the house. And, right. you know, Nancy made these comments. It was, it was basically to up her cool factor. She knows where the jail is. We have a jail. But what is the likelihood of any actual repercussion coming to these Trump administration officials who are being found in contempt? Because Eric Holder didn't seem any, da- any damage or worse for the wear because of his. No, look, when, when the households, uh, government official in contempt, they basically have three options of what they can do. They can refer the contempt uh, citation to the Justice Department. 
And the Justice Department has the ability to go under federal law to go to a grand jury and get the grand jury to indict the person, and you can be jailed for up to a year, and you can be fined for not giving uh, Congress, you know, whatever documents it wants. Um, in the Holder case, <laughs> probably no surprise, Stacey, the Justice Department refused to to do that. They refused to file a criminal um, action against the Attorney General. The second alternative for the House is to, to on their own, go to federal court and file a civil case and ask a federal judge to um, enforce the contempt citation and order the witness to turn over whatever documents uh, they want. That's That can be a long and involved process. Uh, they may lose that. The third option, and this is what they were joking about, uh, although we don't, I guess we don't know how much of a joke it is, is um, it's recognized that Congress has what's called inherent contempt authority. And there are instances in our prior history where um, the sergeant of arms of the House, for example, was directed to seize and detain a witness who refused uh, to answer questions or provide documents that Congress wanted and, and to be held uh, in, a, in a jail cell in the House until they cooperated and gave the House what it wanted. But that's only been done a couple times in our entire history, and the last time it was done in Congress was, was about 100 years ago. Oh, okay. Okay, so no chance of that. And it has to go through the... Uh, these. So these remedies have to go through the DOJ, which is currently controlled by A.G. Barr. Yeah, well, the criminal case does. A civil case wouldn't go through DOJ, uh, that would just be the House of Representatives itself filing a lawsuit in federal court and asking a court to enforce it. Hmm. So they go to one of their friendly courts and get that done. Right, right. Mm, what's the chance of them doing that? Um, I, I don't know. Right now, it's only the committee that has voted to... Um, to hold Barr and them in contempt, uh, it would have to go to the full House for a vote. And I wonder if the Supreme Court comes back with a decision tomorrow or Monday, those those are the next two days where they'll really see, if they come back with a decision saying, well, the government has the power to do this, that might, frankly, end the Democratic efforts on this because I'm not sure there would be any real point in them going forward with it when the Supreme Court has settled the case. Mm. As always, Hans, we are so lucky to get you when you have time to be with us. It's always so informative, and we really appreciate your time. Hans von Swarovski, manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative at the Heritage Foundation. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Sure. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you again soon. All right. We'll be back with more after this. Keep it here. Have you ever found yourself so embarrassed in a situation that you couldn't even look a person in the eye? One day, I was in the drive-thru of a famous fast food restaurant, and I was giving my order to whom I thought was a man, but turned out to be a woman. Oh my goodness. I found that out because I said yes, sir, and she quickly corrected me. I was so embarrassed, I couldn't even finish the order, so I drove off. That was a true story of fear and embarrassment. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
My brothers and sisters, do not operate as I did and drive away due to fear creeping in. Know that the spirit of the living God lives in you. And with him, he can bring about that courage that you didn't even realize was already in you. With the heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Victoria Hollyfield. Connect with us more at urbanfamilytalk.com. Equipped with Chris Brooks. This program is an apologetic endeavor. What I want to do is really train you in the art and science of defending and commending your Christian faith to people who maybe they've been hurt by the church, maybe they don't believe like you believe, and you're saying to yourself, how do I have an effective conversation with them? Well, we're looking for an evangelistic edge, if you will, that will allow us to more effectively, more contextualize the gospel so that we can reach men and women for Christ. Quite often, the on-ramp, if you will, is looking at culture and taking advantage of the conversations that folks are already having and saying, how can I leverage this to get people to talk about Jesus? This show becomes kind of massively significant to you if your desire is to reach people for Christ. Get equipped with Chris Brooks. Join me Monday through Friday at noon Central Time on Urban Family Talk. Securing America. With record high overdose deaths in the U.S., lawmakers are calling for a whole-of-government approach to fight the opioid crisis. Georgia Republican David Perdue says more needs to be done about cartels smuggling drugs into the country. If a cartel was sending a cruise missile into Dallas, Texas and killing 70,000 people, I think our response would be just a little less measured than it is today. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told the Senate International Narcotics Control Caucus the Trump administration has been cracking down on China, which he said produces many of the drugs smuggled over the Mexican border. China fulfilled its pledge to President Trump to control all fentanyl-like substances which potentially number in the thousands of different substances, uh, and develop an enforcement plan for each of them. Secretary Pompeo also said he hopes Mexico will work with the United States to help stop the flow of narcotics. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I see the clown show Democrats, and I'm wondering, I don't know who they're fighting for, but it ain't Americans. No, it's not. How about this one? 3.2% GDP growth. You guys remember back in 2016 when my father said, why can't we have 2%? Why can't we have 3%? Why can't we do better? And Obama comes up. Well, Donald, there's no magic wand for that, Donald. You can't just make it happen. Well, abracadabra, buddy, there is a magic wand. I love that. I love that from uh, Don Jr. He makes the point that we've made here on this show. I've played you that audio before of uh, Obama acting as if there's just no way the economy could improve. And in his mind, it couldn't. And, and so I remember uh, last year when we did the Missouri tax documentary, I flew to Nashville and I sat with Art Laffer, who I think it's today he receives the Congressional Medal of Freedom or the Presidential Medal of Freedom from the president um, for his work in economics and bringing free market ideas to 
at just numbers of countries around the world that have changed their economies for the better, lifting 170 million people out of poverty, at least there might be even more. Um, and so I'm sitting with Art Laffer and the question that I asked him was about kind of taking the lay of the land from the perspective of, you know, kind of viewing things in a pessimistic way. And he cut me off before the question was even out. And he said, Stacy, there's, there's no reason to even do this work. There's no reason to do economics or finance if you're, pessim- if you're pessimistic. If you're a pessimist, you can't get anything done. He said everything in economics starts with a positive outlook. And you're looking to the future and you're looking to what can happen, to what you can do, and then you move from there. I mean, he, he, was, he was an eloquent speaker. He's especially well-versed on what certain economic policies do to our most vulnerable populations. So people who live in poverty, people who are disabled, people who are dependent upon government for services or, or health care, et cetera. And we had a really, really good interview. It was, it, was a, it was a privilege for me to get to sit with him. This is a man who he's met every single president of the United States since he's been an adult. And he has notes all over his wall, handwritten notes from everybody from Al Gore and Bill Clinton to Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan. Um, he's been around just for, for ages and he's been doing great work the entire time. And I know, of course, there are always detractors for conservative economists, but Art Laffer doesn't really see himself as a conservative as much as he sees himself as a positive, a positively minded free market thinker. And so I just, it's such a wonderful thing to have gotten to interview him. And now he's getting this award and it's, it's just huge congratulations to him. But it goes back to what Don Jr. is expressing there. Uh, Someone in the audience yelled back, it's the magic wand is Donald Trump. And, you know, I don't know if I would say the president is the magic wand. I think it's his understanding of business and his tenacity in getting just a few things done, deregulation and the passage of the tax reform bill, which is just the first bite. If he could have his way and make the tax cuts permanent and even reduce business tax further, you would see even more economic growth. And I know a lot of people are concerned. We're going to see inflation. We're going to see. Yeah, you know what? That's not the outlook that you need. We should always be cautious, but you can't live your life only expecting the bad things to happen. Sometimes bad things will happen, but it doesn't mean you should live with the expectation that the bad things are just around the corner and it's horrible and we're just like one step away from recession. Well, I guess we could be. Anything's possible. But it's more likely that if the Fed doesn't act in a negative way towards the president to try to derail his reelection campaign, that there could very well be even more economic growth. And why not, right? Um, so I thought that audio was fantastic. He had a lengthy time at the podium and it was a great, if you, if you didn't watch the live stream last night, it's everywhere. If you, t- if you go to YouTube, you can find so many of the live streams of the speech last night. The president was up for a little over an hour. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was up for a couple of seconds, just thanking the crowd, getting a standing ovation. Um, so nice. It was so nice to see her get those kudos. She deserves it. She deserves so much more than that. Um, but I think she's going to get really what she's craving, which is time alone with her kids to just be herself and just be back at home in Arkansas. That's what's coming up for her. And I'm so excited about that for her. She deserves it. Um, so now I want to listen to number number six. It's the president. And I teased this a little bit earlier. He's actually talking about, and it's a little lengthy, but it's worth it. He's talking about his financial statement. 
And he has it up there with him and he's reading from it. And if you want to call in and, and kind of react to that, you can get in the call queue while we're listening to this. It's 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Oh, I'm getting notifications that the president is tweeting about the sad Democrats and other things. Uh, <laughs> but let's listen to him from last night. This was the best of it, in my opinion, because this is such a glimpse into how he thinks and works when the cameras aren't rolling and he's not in the Oval Office, but, but from his time before up to now, uh, it's number six. It was even reported incorrectly yesterday because they said he had assets of $9 billion. So I said, no, that's the wrong number. That's the wrong number, not assets. So they put together this. And before I say it, I have to say this. I made it the old-fashioned way. It's real estate. You know, it's real estate. It's labor, and it's unions good, and some bad, and lots of people that aren't in unions, and it's all over the place, and building all over the world. And I have assets, big accounting firm, one of the most highly respected, $9,240,000,000. And I have liabilities of about 500. That's long-term debt, very low interest rates. In fact, one of the big banks came to me and said, Donald, you don't have enough borrowings. Could we loan you $4 billion? I said, I don't need it. I don't want it. And I've been there. I don't want it. But in two seconds, they give me whatever I wanted. So I have a total net worth, and now with the increase, it'll be well over $10 billion. But here, a total net worth of $8 billion. Net worth, not assets, not liability. A net worth. After all debt, after all expenses, the greatest assets, Trump Tower, 1290 Avenue of the Americas, Bank of America building in San Francisco, 40 Wall Street, sometimes referred to as the Trump building, right opposite the New York City. Many other places <laughs> all over the world. So the total is $8,737,540,000. So he went on a little bit more, um, but I thought, so first of all, listen to him listing off those properties, properties that are in major cities in America that have amazing values. Um, obviously, he has some liabilities. He has, he has some loans. He has, you know, he's a businessman, but he also has an amazing balance sheet um, after you take out his liabilities. And so I just, there's just something in me, um, and I, I think I've shared this with you before, it's something in me that really, I get a little rankled um, when I hear like uh, Lawrence Jones III, you, and you, you know, he's a good friend, um, he's now got his own program on Fox Nation, and he's regularly on Fox News doing those kind of man in the street interviews, and he was down um, in Florida before the actual rally last night. And he was doing man on the street interviews, asking people, I think he was also at the Joe Biden, um, at the rally. And there were people outside protesting the president and they had a Trump uh, balloon. And they told Lawrence Jones, who happens to be, he happens to be permanently tanned. They told him to go back to uh, Fox News and pick cotton or go back to where he belonged in Kenya. That's Democrats yelling at a black man who's got a microphone with a Fox News, uh, you know, uh, little holder on it. Um, 
you know, so much for the tolerance, right? Anyway, they were saying these racial things to him and he was asking him, he was asking them individually. He said, what, why, why don't you support the president when he's a criminal? He deserves to be in jail. They couldn't articulate anything he'd done. He didn't even ask them hard questions. He asked them the kind of questions you would ask a simpleton. And they couldn't even get their reasons for hating Donald Trump right, even though that he put the ball in their court. They could have said anything. They could have rattled off a list of things that the president said or did that they didn't like, policies that they didn't like. But that's not it. That's not it at all. So what's fascinating to me about this is that even though President Trump just shared how much money he's making, how, how well he's doing personally, people will say, well, he don't want to share his taxes because he's not really worth that much or he's not, he's not doing the thing that he should do or he's hiding something or he's a criminal. It's pretty clear that's not the case. And we even know now that he shared that, that he's not losing money like he was in the first year. Now, I've read all the stories about how Trump Tower is people don't want to live there anymore. It's not a Tony address like it was before. Where's the shock there in heavily liberal New York City and Manhattan? Manhattan is just chalked to the brimming with liberals. So if you really want to be just like completely like it's obvious why Trump Tower is no longer the address du jour. When he was Hollywood's darling and every rap star in America was dropping his name and all of their horrible rap music. Yeah, you wanted to live at Trump Tower. But now that he's the president of the United States and everybody in New York hates him, then you probably don't want to live at Trump Tower. All he has to do as a real estate mogul is move his apartment out of there, rename the building, and people will move back into it because real estate is scarce in New York City. And those are primo palatial mansion-sized apartments. They're luxury. It's a luxury building. I mean, it's so simple. They probably already have that in the works. He doesn't have to have his name on every single building. That's just a thing he's been doing. He could take his name off every single building and make even more money, which is that's what's so funny to me is liberals can't even see the unintended consequences when they're smacking them dead in the face. They claim to hate him and want him to not be rich. Well, if that's the case, then stop doing stuff that will ultimately make him even richer than he is now. All right. Phone lines are open. 866-963-2037. Jake in Arkansas. Thanks for calling the show. Yes, ma'am. Um, I hadn't called you in a while because I've been busy with my kids. But um, I like to tell you, you know, I'm 62 year old now, and I, I love the president. I have worked in companies that they shift their, all my jobs to Mexico. And my last job, I worked there for 28 and a half years, and they and they outsource everything that's sent it to Mexico. And working people, we understand that the president doing a good job because we had a job. And if he'd have been in there four, five, eight years ago before Obama got in there, I probably wouldn't have been able to retire. So I didn't get to retire. I had I got laid off 28 and a half years in a factory, and they send the job to Mexico. And and people don't understand how I wear my Help Make America Great Again hat because I appreciate what he does. And I'm in mm-hmm. Arkansas, and I'm not ashamed to say that. I live in Arkansas, and I'll be glad to see Sarah come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know her dad. The uh, Governor Huckabee, all them. I'm like 45 miles from them. And uh, I appreciate everything you do also. Thank you, Jake. And I, I just want to say, if you happen to bump into Sarah, d- tell her, Stacy on the right, 
that she met at the White House media row, which she probably doesn't remember, but that I'm so totally rooting for her now that she's going to be back at home. Um, and, and you're right about her dad, Governor Huckabee. I got to meet him on his program. He had me on and it was, first of all, he's just as nice as he can be. He really is. He's so kind. And we just had the biggest laugh about how we're both fans of Sarah Huckabee because it's his daughter. And it was so cute. So I'm, I'm happy for her to have hung around and stuck it out for as long as she did. She just did such an amazing job. Um, and I think it, I, why am I saying it again? Because sometimes people just don't get any credit. If you've ever done a good job and felt like you didn't get any credit, you know what I'm talking about. And this is what happens with adults. So I am not, you know, no crying over spilt milk or anything like that because God says in his word that none of your work is ever wasted because ultimately, even though you have a boss here on this earth and you're working for him and you have coworkers and all that and you, and you have to work to the best of your ability for them, ultimately your work performance, you are doing that as, un, as unto the Lord. And so when you do a good job and you feel like you're going out and you're, 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 you're leaving without getting any credit and no. No, your work is never wasted. God doesn't allow any bit of your work to be wasted. He rewards you ultimately. He is the rewarder of everything that you do. And so, but I, I still think for my part, I would prefer to give credit where credit is due if, if I can. And with her, it's just such an amazingly difficult job being the press secretary. And then for them to have treated her the way that they did, yelling at her and screaming at her in the room the way they would over talk her, the way they would insult her, um, you know, that's hard. Like, so I don't know about you, but when people insult me, I, I'm insulted. You know what I mean? I, my, I can feel my blood pressure going up. I can feel my fight or flight reflex kicking in. I can feel myself battling with myself. Do I cut this person down to the quick because I have a very sharp, sarcastic wit that can be very, very deadly to people if I don't, if I don't rein it in? Oh, I've had many a sleepless night over cutting somebody down to the point where that person never speaks to me again because I can do it. So I'm warring with myself. Do I do I let this thing go or do I make sure I can go to sleep tonight with a with a clean conscience and just let them have their let them have their their way. Let them say whatever they want to me because they can't change me. So she did a good job. All right. When <laughs> you get back, <laughs> if you're leaving now, God bless from the heartland. If you're sticking around, more Stacey on the right after this on Urban Family Talk. God bless you and thanks for making your home at American Family Radio.